I'm Emily Renneberg, and this is Even Strength. So you've heard of motorsports. The term actually encompasses a number of different types of racing motorized vehicles. Most people are likely familiar with stock car racing and formula racing, but air racing and monster trucks technically count in this area of sport too. And I kid you not, there is also such a thing as lawnmower racing, which is also technically a motorsport. But don't worry, they remove the blades for safety. But when people talk about auto racing, they're probably referring to either NASCAR or Formula One, the two biggest names in racing. If you're not a die-hard auto racing fan, you probably don't know that Canada actually has a very successful racing scene. We even have our own NASCAR series called the Pinty Series, which has seen some Canadian names jump from that series to NASCAR Xfinity Series and the NASCAR Cup Series after their success on home soil. And speaking of Canadian racing success, today we welcome a very special guest who's been in the sport for over 20 years and is still bringing it behind the wheel of her bright pink number 16 late model stock car. Hi, I'm Amanda Balson, a 40-year-old race car driver originally from Aurora, Ontario, now calling Bowmanville home. I have raced against the boys for over 20 years. I'm Canada's first female late model stock car racing champion, a two-time champ with multiple wins and many more years behind the wheel to come. I believe women can accomplish anything and I love sharing my stories. I feel like when I talk to people, you know, and I tell them I, I race cars and they're like, you know, what kind of cars? And I find myself saying, you know, NASCAR style cars so that they, they kind of understand. I mean, Canadian racing is huge and it produces like even with the male talent, um, you know, there's so, so much more of them, right? We produce like some amazing race car drivers, not only Canada, but like a lot of them right here in Ontario that go down to the States and do incredible things down there against, uh, you know, some of the best in North America. It's it's like this hidden gem of things that people don't really know exist. And I I've always say to people like if you're a NASCAR fan, if you like if you like watching it on TV and you you go down to a race, like you really really should get involved in what goes on in Ontario because then you've got a chance of seeing the drivers when they're right before they go to NASCAR. <laughs> you know, NASCAR is stock car racing. It's traditionally driven on an oval track. Many decades ago, the vehicles that they used in these races were literally just family sedans without modifications for racing, and they were driven at high speeds in unregulated races. Tinkering on these cars helped improve their performance, and as the sport progressed, NASCAR was founded in 1948 as a governing body in order to sanction racing events and introduce standards for the events and the cars. Modern stock cars, however, are far from anything you'd find on the road today, though. With their technology, they're able to reach speeds of over 300 kilometers per hour, the engines have up to 900 horsepower, and the drivers experience 2 to 3 Gs of force on turns. If you're in a NASCAR crash, you're looking at getting up to 80 Gs. To put that all into perspective, top speed roller coasters will max at about 6 Gs. Amanda drives late model stock cars at this point in her career. Yeah, so a late model stock car is basically, there's a few different series that are kind of like a, not an entry level class, more of an, I would say, an advanced level. Um, these are purpose-built race cars. They're, they're not anything that you buy from the store. They're not anything that underneath is not something that used to be roadworthy. The parts on these cars are built for the specific chassis, and those specific chassis are built 
out of out of steel. Uh, very similar to a car that would be on the road, but certainly not something that's manufactured by like a Chevy Ford or a Dodge or something like that. Uh, the engines in the car are called crate engines. It's just an affordable option for racers. And uh, th those engines have about 400 horsepower so that it just levels the playing field for everybody and keeps the cost down. Because, I mean, 10, 15 years ago, we were paying fifteen to $20,000 for, for engines for these same kind of cars. And uh, the costs were getting out of control that they had to form a new plan, and, this, and hence this crate engine program was born. But without getting too much into technical stuff, the suspensions are very advanced. Like I said, everything on the car is... is purpose-built for racing. But I could go on and on. There, there's probably 20 different classes of oval-type racing um, in Ontario, but I would say like the mini stock, uh, what's called a super stock, which is below late model, uh, the limited late model, which I run, and then a pro late model, which is very similar, just a few more advancements and a little more powerful engine. Um, that That's basically what goes on in Ontario short track racing for the most part. Her story to becoming Canada's first female late model stock car racing champion is one of family and friendship. Her dad was a race car driver before he passed away when Amanda was 12, and her mom helped her buy her very first car and is one of racing's biggest fans. Her two friends, Aaron and Andrea, were very involved in her career success that started in the late 90s. Yeah, without without uh, my two girlfriends back then, Aaron and Andrea, I mean, you know, none, none, nothing would have happened. We all had to start somewhere, and boy, we had a lot of fun with it. And my mom, I mean, yeah, she was not only financial support, <laughs> but uh, she was a racer back in the day in her own right, and she she loves it probably more than I do, to be honest with you. You know, she never missed a race, and that's, uh, you know, that's that's why they say racing is such a family-oriented sport, because there's something for, for everybody, right? And, uh, yeah, without them, I don't, <laughs> wouldn't have been near as fun. It prob probably would, wouldn't have happened. Back when I started racing, the costs, while they were still expensive, they weren't they weren't outrageous. Um, I paid forty five hundred dollars for my first uh, what we called back then a thunder car, which today would be known as a street stock, uh, eight cylinder car, still a very powerful car. That's what it cost, and I basically uh, between my mom and I, we uh, we we bought it. That's kind of uh, where it all got going for me. Um, so when I got to the age of driving age, anyway. You know, I sparked my interest again to go back up to the track and I, I started going up there on a weekly basis when I could and uh, watching and um, just took uh, a real heavy interest in it and then ended up um, doing a deal with uh, with a guy up there where I rented his uh, Thunder car and I ran it a couple times uh, in 98 and I just, just had so much fun with it and then started looking around to, to buy a car. Uh, my mom and I, and uh, that's the, you know, we found a car, 4,500 bucks. We bought the car. My mom actually traded her car in for a pickup truck. So we had something to uh, tow the car and uh, I bought a trailer <laughs> and a good friend of my dad's heard I was going racing and actually um, built me a trailer for, uh, let's just say a very, very, very good deal. So uh, we didn't have a lot to get going, but somehow we managed and that that's kind of how it all started. Today, women compete in the big series of NASCAR and Formula One, even if there are very few of them. The sport has evolved in a lot of ways, but in line with a lot of women's sports and women's participation in sports. It has a long way to go still. Back when I started, I was, you know, whatever, 18, 
19 that was rare like that was young to get in a car now seemingly 18 and 19 is kind of old to get started like i said there's 12 13 14 year olds running really powerful cars um i've seen a lot of changes with the women in the sport as well women being uh you know a lot more involved in the pits with their you know um spotting uh, we call it spotting it's uh, when you wear radio and you're relaying information to the driver from high up in the grandstands you also call it the eyes in the sky it's just kind of a lookout person that lets you know what's going on a lot more ladies involved in the pits altogether back when i first started for the most part it was all men in the pits you know and not very many female drivers either like i would go to a lot of tracks early in my career and um, there were times when I'd be the only woman driver in the entire pits never mind just in my class but the the influx of women behind the wheel um, behind the scenes doing even working at the track doing doing jobs at the track like it's I I don't even know what to say the percentage of the increases but it's probably like a thousand percent like it's women are are everywhere now which is which is great it's great to have that mix as that was happening it was a lot easier for me too i didn't always want to be the only woman down in the pits i mean not the only one but very very few um now you know women are everywhere so it's it makes it easier i guess there were a few that were in the upper ranks of nascar that probably back then i thought that i wanted to be like you know, like I, oh, I wish I could do that. I would, you know, and I still wish, I mean, I like everyone that races anything. Yeah, you wish you got your shot in NASCAR and you wish this, but then you understand that it's, it's not about getting a shot. It's about paying for a shot. And that, that shot comes with a very hefty price tag, uh, more than my family or I were willing to pony up. I think the last time I checked into running something like that, it was about 50,000 uh, US for one race. So that's, that's crazy. Uh, but back to, to looking up to someone, I, I remember being very young at Sunset Speedway as a kid and watching a female uh, out on the track and thinking, not so much, I want to be you, but I think I could do what you do. And then a few years later, going back to the track, watching, seeing another uh, well-known female racer uh, racing at that time, I never thought I look up to you. I thought, if you can do it, I can do it. I mean, for me, I'm a super, super competitive person. So male, female, whatever. I was spending a lot of money to go racing. And the whole point for me was just to win every single time. That was the whole point. So I never really paid a lot of attention or tried not to pay too much attention to things that I didn't have to. One of the biggest barriers for anyone to get into the big leagues of racing is needing big money. Sponsors are absolutely critical for success, and one of the biggest challenges for racers is building those networks and those connections to get the right people and the right equipment on their side. It all starts with money. Money equals good equipment, and the good equipment paired with good driving means wins. But the common denominator is always money, and it's especially hard for Canadians to get this kind of support down south. Well, I can tell you that, I mean, equipment is paramount in racing you must have good equipment. I mean, that is, you can be the most talented driver on the planet. And if you're in bad equipment, you can only do so much. You might be able to do a little more than somebody that's not as talented might be able to do. But an average driver in incredible equipment can do incredible things in this sport. There, I, I mean, there's lots of examples of people that are incredibly talented and that can drive these race cars, and there's lots of them. 
as far as women go, I not as many, but that's just because it's a it's a product of not as many being involved in the sport. If we had an influx of women drivers all over the place, I mean, there would be there would be more that could run up front. Like that, there's just no question. In order to win championships, I would say, and run at the top of your game and at the top levels, then you you do need to have a have it all. You need you need you need to be talented behind the wheel. You need to make good decisions. Do all the things that. Uh, you know, make you a good race car driver. Um, but but yeah, you're going to need to have the good equipment too, because they go hand in hand. You know, there's a few of, of, of those people around that are incredibly gifted behind the wheel and then have the finances and the support to have amazing equipment. And in a lot of cases, the, those people almost can't be beat sometimes. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you, you know when you have good equipment because it just burns a hole in the pocket quickly, <laughs> very, very quickly. Now, racing is one of the very few sports that exists where pure physicality doesn't separate men or women. It's still, however, a novelty to have women involved in racing because there are so few in the mainstream series and media. To combat this, 2019 introduced the world of racing to the W Series, a 20-driver series with six races around Europe, and it's all women. People have mixed feelings about it. Why do women need their own series? Why can't they race against the guys? But then it's great exposure. It's a great way to compete to win a series, and then the women can use the publicity, and if they win the money, they can advance themselves in racing. There's a lot of thoughts. Yeah, that that can go so many different ways. You know, the W Series... Like if I if I didn't work have the job that I had and I had time, I would have applied to the W Series because... I heard I heard a lot of different young people's opinions on this and a lot of the girls that you know disagreed with the entire movement. No, I want to race with the guys. I want to I don't need to do this. I I do this with the best and and I kind of thought, "Okay, I I took a step back and I sort of thought, so what you're saying is that, that it's impossible for these women to be the best just because they're all racing against each other?" And then I looked at the prize money that was involved in the W series and I thought if I was young and able to go, I would look at this as an opportunity to win the prize money. And I was really confused as to why the young girls in this province didn't jump at that chance to do it. I understand it's road course racing. It's a different style of racing, but um, I got exposed to some road course racing um, in my career as well. And I, I, I just got in it and did it, and then I was okay at it. I mean, I wasn't great at it, but I was okay, good enough. If I had more time, I would have caught up without a problem. You know, I don't know why more of them didn't take the opportunity to go and try and win that money. If, if in their, in their words, all you had to do was go beat twelve women. Well, if you race with the best and you race with the men, then then prove it and go and go go and beat all those women and and win the 100,000 US prize at the end of it and race all over Europe. But W series as a whole, I don't know, do they need a do do you need a series that that all women are racing? Are people going to watch it? Probably not. It's I I think it is a novelty. You know, I I'm I'm so mixed on it. However, I would participate in it, but I don't think it's a viable series or a viable business and I don't think it'll be around 2 years from now. Race car drivers and fans alike have had to defend themselves on countless occasions when it comes to defining racing as a sport and its participants as athletes. Okay, sure. To the person watching a race on TV, it kind of just looks like someone strapped into a harness in a car driving in circles. 
What goes on inside the vehicle is a mystery to the majority of people, and the closest you can really get is listening to the comms between the driver and their team as they talk about the race in the car. But it is 100% a sport. It entertains an audience, and if you don't think the people inside those souped-up, breakneck-speed vehicles are athletes, Amanda invites you to think again. Listen, I don't think that you, you know, you don't need to be able to run a marathon or bench press 300 pounds to drive a race car. That you don't need. But I'll tell you what you'll, you will need to do. See the other day when it was 40 degrees there with the humidity? I'll need you to put your snowsuit on and go sit in your garage for an hour and a half while playing a video game. And then come back inside and then, then you tell me that it, that it doesn't take a little something to get through that. <laughs> because it does. (laughs) It's hard to say that you have to be super, super fit to drive a car because I've seen people that are incredibly unfit who are unbelievable race car drivers. So I don't know how to, you you know what I mean? Like kind of explain that sort of thing. You have to be able to handle the heat and it's, it's it's the mental focus. Like, I mean, you know when you get really, really hot and you get irritated? Well, it's not going to be very good if you're really, really hot in the car and you will be really, really hot in the car because those are the days when you're wearing that snowsuit, three layers of onesie, essentially, done all the way up to your neck and then pretty much leather boots on, which don't breathe, and then gloves and a helmet, you know, the amount of water that you lose and you get hot in an instant. Well, if you get irritated behind the wheel, uh, it's probably going to cost a lot of money because you're probably going to make a mistake. So... (laughs) It's very unique. It's it's very unique. I would say, you know, kind of like your baseball catcher. Who do you feel bad for in 40 degree heat in a baseball game? The one wearing all the catching equipment, right? Except there's really nowhere to, you don't get a break until it's over and there's really nowhere to escape the heat and there's no, there's no air conditioning button. So, <laughs> I mean, if you don't want to say that's a little bit athletic, then I, I don't know. <laughs> I would think that most of the people listening to this podcast right now probably have never experienced the thrill of driving a race car on a closed course. I know I haven't. In terms of adrenaline chasing, maybe you've been cliff diving or skydiving or bungee jumping or ziplining, but those experiences of adrenaline are very short-lived in comparison to driving an 800 horsepower vehicle at top speed for over an hour. So what's that like? I've driven a lot of things too and done a lot of things. And I mean, I've, I'll put it this way. I've driven a lot of nice sports cars on the road and they don't give you the same adrenaline that a race car does. It's, it's something about being on a track and being in a controlled environment and kind of letting loose and letting go that you can't, it just can't be replaced. And I've never, it, it's maybe the closest thing I've ever experienced would be like winning like a big, uh, like a championship, like provincial baseball championship or like a hockey championship, like that feeling, but you only get it for like a couple minutes, like sort of that, oh my God, like we just won whatever it is that you just won. But you've got that feeling for like, it, it's really strong. It's really powerful and it lasts quite a long time. It's hard to describe the feeling, but the place where you're at is it's actually a very calm mind when you're kind of just, we call it turning laps or just ticking off laps, especially um, in a long uh, race, like anything from 50 to 100 laps. So basically when I'm driving the car, I'm just trying to feel in an instant how the car is reacting to the way that I'm driving it. 
and a lot of things happen during a race like the the track changes the conditions change um, the tires get hotter they get a little more wear on them in some cases so the car starts to behave differently so you need to adjust your driving for that and the way to adjust your driving for that is to feel what the car is doing and that's when I say feel um, through your hands through your feet feeling um, you know, the pulse of the brake and pushing the, the gas down with your foot and feeling through your butt, uh, you know, whether your the, the rear wheel, wheels are spinning and whether you, you know, and translating that into giving it less gas with your foot and all these things that are happening in an instant. That's basically what you're doing the entire time. And then when, you know, they show the five to go, you get a little more excited because it's almost over. And then they show a two to go. And that's where my body just goes ballistic. I, I think a lot of people do. They just don't know how to explain it um, it's just the adrenaline's bursting through especially when you're in the lead oh my god two to go and this is over I win you know and then you come around and you get the white flag and now I'm just absolutely exploding and whatever's going on in my hands and my feet I can't even think of anymore <laughs> um, that's my downfall and then yeah they throw the checkered flag and you're just up 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 and then it's like incredible for about five minutes and then you just slowly start coming down <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's what you're doing. That's where your head's at. That's kind of what it feels like. And if you want to check that out at some point, there's actually opportunities for you to buy racing experiences at local tracks all over Canada. And if you're a racing fan or looking for some great live sports when the season starts back up, check out the tracks in your area and go see the cars out there. According to Amanda, you won't regret it. Thank you all for joining me again on another episode of Even Strength. I hope you learned another something today. I know live sports are coming back soon and hopefully this is kind of giving you your fix of sports in between that and I will be continuing the episodes. So connect with us on Twitter and Instagram, like I've said before, at Even Strength Pod for updates and content and then follow us and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, listen to our other episodes, get yourself acquainted with the great guests we've had so far, and look forward to next week. Take care. <laughs>